So, uh, to close out um, this series and to bring about the material for today, I'd like to turn back to 2020, the most positive year ever, and, uh, and talk through uh, something that we will probably never forget for the rest of our life, the great toilet paper crisis of 2020. Uh, just a, a wonderful symbol of, of the human spirit, um, of our personal collective achievement uh, as a race. Um, yeah. So uh, it was interesting. It happened fast, right? All of a sudden, uh, we went into the grocery store. And, and like, I remember, I mean, it's just like, it, it, like you watch a flock of birds, you know, move together. Well, somehow we did that to buy toilet paper. Because for there to be the crisis that it was, it means that people over here and people over here and people over here who didn't know each other, and like I don't think there was any kind of underground communication, like, you know, CBs out there saying, hey, toilet paper, that's the... But like people different places all decided that the thing that we needed for this virus was toilet paper. And, and like you, you went into Giant Eagle and immediately... The, the cleaning supplies were gone, which made sense, right? Like, this is a new virus. We don't know much about it. Like, it made total sense for there to be a run on Clorox wipes. But then the next aisle over are just these empty pallets where toilet paper used to be stacked, like, high and deep. And everybody just decided. And, like, we've all talked about it. We didn't even need toilet. Like, we got to the... We ruled the food chain long before toilet paper was ever even thought of. Like, it was nothing that we needed. We have wash rags that you can throw in the washer and dryer, and usually the shower's right next to the toilet. So it's like that. We manufactured a crisis. There was no need for toilet paper to begin with, really. It's a convenience. I mean, it's pretty important. But it's not, like, essential. There was no need to panic over toilet paper. So we, there, and, and there was enough. Like, the, like there, there was enough. And yet we panicked and created, we, cre- and here's, this is what we'll launch, okay? We created scarcity. It was not a good look for humanity, Right? Like, we created scarcity and then panicked because of a scarcity that we created. And so, when it comes to positivity, what I want you to see as we finish this series is that positivity is deeply affected by our perception of, like, uh, abundance versus scarcity. We perceive scarcity and it really ruins our positivity, and then we respond in a way that creates negativity. So it's, it's all about perception of what we really need and how much of it is available, okay? So, so um, let, let me look at this idea in the Bible, walk you through some scripture to see what the Bible says about uh, abundance mentality versus scarcity mentality. It's a pretty important theme in the Bible, we'll see. Okay, I'm going to start with Genesis 1. 
It's amazing to me how often I've gone back to Genesis, the first few chapters in the Bible in this series about positivity. Like how much of the, the, the earliest stories of the people of God really speak to this positivity type stuff. And remember that we said that, um, that Genesis, in the ancient stories of Genesis, we get these are the stories that God's tribe of people, the Israelites were a tribe of people, just like there were other tribes of people. That's the earliest formation of people groups in the Bible. And each tribe had their identity, and each tribe had their stories. And so in Genesis, you get the stories that made it to the point of being written down. And I believe that God had his hand in that, but long before they were written down, see, the Bible wasn't just like handed to human beings. They were, it's a collection of stories that were eventually written down long after, centuries after they were passed down. So these stories are very important. And when it came to tribes, one of the more important stories that most tribes had was their own creation story. Like how God or their God or gods created the world and baked into these stories, uh, baked into the creation story, were, were a lot of the ideas about uh, ideas that shaped their understanding of the world, their understanding of God, their understanding of humanity, okay? So we get one chapter, one and a half chapters, whatever, in the Bible uh, that represent the creation story. And I believe that the creation story is the story that God gave to God's tribe to do for them what creation stories did, to, to show them who God was and, and sort of the essence of creation. So when it comes to abundance versus scarcity, it actually is a theme, one of a few themes in the creation story. And, and again, of all that God could have shared about uh, how the world got started, it's, it's, rel it's just a few minutes worth of material, and baked into that we read this. This is in Genesis um, 1. 11 and 12, then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants, and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it, according to their various kinds, and it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Now why? Like you see, get that repetitive, God made seeds and seeds made plants and plants made more seeds, whatever, okay? Why would God spend that much chunk of creation story on this idea of seeds that produce fruit, that produce seeds, that, or yes, fruit that produce seeds that produce I think what we see here is what God wants to communicate to his people is that this world was created with abundance. This world was created with the idea that it produces enough because it's virtually limitless. When you take a seed and it multiplies exponentially, and wherever it's planted, it multiplies exponentially. The idea is God saying, I am giving you a limitless supply of food. There is an abundance here. And even today, multiple studies show that farmers produce, produce enough calories to feed 10 billion people right now. 10 billion people. There's a 7 billion population, so there's, what, what is that, 140% of the need is provided for 
already right now. There is an abundance in creation. So any scarcity of resource, food especially, that's man-created, not God-created. God creates an abundance. The problem is, in my opinion, abundance doesn't make people rich, and abundance doesn't give nations advantage. Only scarcity does that. And so we have created scarcity. When we perceive scarcity, just like with toilet paper, it is created. It's not in design. It was, this was an important enough concept that God baked it into the creation story. Abundance versus scarcity. And so if we want positivity, I think one of the things we've got to get our brain around is there is plenty for us and for everybody. And whenever there isn't, it's a distribution problem, not a provision problem. So, there's that. Now, let's look at some other uh, scriptures, because this is a massive idea in the Bible. 2 Corinthians 9, we talked about this last week. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need you will abound in every good work. The idea there is that um, God operates with abundance. He blesses you in order for you to then distribute that blessing, good works in all things at all times, okay? Uh, John 10.10, this is Jesus. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full or have it in abundance, so Jesus is the source of abundant life. The thief is the source of scarcity. Satan is the source of scarcity. How about <clears throat> Ephesians 3.20? One of my favorite verses. Um, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. Able to do immeasurably more. God is able to do immeasurably more than all we can even imagine. It's an incredible promise. How about Luke 6.38? Jesus says, give, and it will be given to you. Distribute distribute your wealth, and it will be given to you, a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, like you can fit as much of it as possible. It's like when you're you know, trying to make room in the trash can, you shake it and press it down, and God is going to do the most he can to fit the most stuff. Shaken together, running over, will be poured out into your lap, for with the measure you use... It will be measured to you. So Jesus seems to say there is no scarcity in God's supply. If we live like there is limitless supply to bless others, God will provide more where that came from. Now that doesn't mean go get two new cars because there's an abundance. It means when we get into God's flow of the world... God will give us more to bless with. It also means that any scarcity has been man-made, not God-made. Proverbs 3.9 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth. So this is like an if clause. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. So God says again, when we live like it's not ours, when we live like it's not ours, God will provide because we get the distribution thing right. And underlying all that 
there is plenty to go around because God creates abundance. Now, I've seen this most recently. Now, this is like for me front page news. Um, <clears throat> so, <clears throat> Kristen Pinkerman works at the high school, and she had told me a while ago that there was this um, resource room in the high school where kids who are under-resourced and would go home to empty cabinets could go there and get snacks to take home. Now, that for me, like I have to practice this a lot, saying it just to not, like, crumble. Um, The idea that kids, like, for me growing up, and my gut shows it, like, de-stress after the day by hitting the pantry. And there was a security in that, right? And so to think that kids just don't, they, they can't go home and just have a snack and watch cartoons or TV or whatever, much less maybe not have anything else in the evening to eat, there's just no reason when even from the Poindexter estate, thousands of dollars are going to youth sports and extracurriculars and like there is an abundance out there. And these kids are going home hungry. And so all I did <clears throat> was talk to the, um, the people that run, Dawn Thompson, who runs that pantry that they, they call it the food closet, and asked how we could help. And I threw it out on Facebook that, that they need snacks, okay? $1,000 worth of snacks and money to buy snacks came in almost immediately just from Facebook. Just this past weekend, had a baseball friend, family from like a couple teams removed, call me and said, uh, I work at Tri-C and we have 14 boxes left over from a giveaway we did. And I, I, I got those 14 boxes and dropped them off. That, that resource room has gone from, you know, sparse to packed. And the neat thing is like about Polaris is that the, the, one of the workers there said, wow, your church has been amazing with this. I'm like, oh, my church isn't even involved yet. Like when Polaris gets involved, you'll have to add on to, to have more. But it tells me that there is plenty. There is plenty out there. People just need to know where the need is, who they can trust, and, 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 and be willing to, to share from their enoughness and everything takes care of itself. It's like it's out there. This is this is there is an abundance. So when it comes to positivity, so much of this is understanding that this there we're not lacking. And the scriptures are very clear that God is more than willing to supply when we are in line with him. Okay. <clears throat> so that's enough of those scriptures even though there are plenty more where that came from. God wants us to believe and trust that there is an abundance. He wants you to believe that he is able to provide with everything we need to enjoy life and experience his provision and help others. So let me talk about how this played out in the Israelite journey from slavery to freedom. This is maybe the best way to sum up the whole series. Okay, Positivity is really only found and maintained when we know that friendship with God is the only enoughness that's out there. And then we need to focus on distribution 
of our extra physical stuff and let God be our real enough. So when God freed the Israelites from slavery in Egypt when they had nothing, he promised them that they would end up in the promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey, a land with more than enough. Did he just teleport them there? And the answer is no. Forty years they journeyed. Forty years through the wilderness, and they went through seasons of hunger where they got miraculous bread in the morning called manna. Sometimes God would order in a flock of quail uh, to give them meat. Then, just before they died of dehydration, God would miraculously provide a spring of water. Like for 40 years, while there was more than enough, they always had enough, what God gave them was a series of problems that only He could solve so that they would understand on their way to the promised land that He still was the supplier and that He still was the one that they needed to turn to because here, here's, this is what I'm leading up to, okay? All that for, for this uh, uh, verse in Deuteronomy 6. Super important verse to understand life. When the Lord your God brings you into the land he swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a land with large flourishing cities you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things uh, that you did not provide, wells you did not dig, vineyards and olive groves you did not plant, then when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. What's God's concern? In his abundant supply, we then forget where it came from and live more to get more of that supply and forget about what's most important. That's, that's listen, by, by, by the sixth book of the Bible, the Israelites are comfortably uh, positioned inside the promised land. What do you think the rest of the Old Testament is about? They forget who they are in the midst of their blessing. In the midst of God's abundant provision, they forget who they are, and then God has to move away from them, and then their life is a mess, and then they call out to him, and then they're back. And then they live with an abundance, 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 and they forget who they are. And they, I mean, that's, it's like the, it's the ebb and the flow, but it's, it's, it, it gets... God provides so much. And when things get going well, we then forget the supplier. So, so really, the positivity is achieved and maintained when we realize that there is no scarcity, there is an abundance all around us, and in that abundance, we seek our enough while making sure we help other people get their enough all the while understanding and looking to God as the ultimate source of satisfaction. When we get any one of those ratios wrong, it messes everything up. This is the way Jesus says it in Luke 12. I mean, it's like it's there. All this message is all over the Scriptures. Jesus says this, Do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. 
For the pagan world, that's people who don't know God's provision, the pagan world runs after all such things. And your Father knows what you need. He knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom, that's like God's way of life, God's realm, and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Here we go. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourself that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. Jesus says, don't worry about getting enough. It's there. God will supply your enough. Give to the poor so that they have their enough. So Jesus says, you find your enough, you make sure everybody else has their enough, and you turn to God, you turn to Jesus, understanding that he is really the source of enough. Now let me, I'm going to close with, with one last thought here. This is how Paul says it. In Philippians, very famous passage. For I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, uh, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through him, through Jesus, who gives me strength. Doesn't that sum it all up? He's like, I've had a lot. Like, like Paul started out when he was far from God. He was a Pharisee. He persecuted the church, which means he was a religious big shot. Okay, when he was far from God, he was a religious big shot. Think about that for a minute. Which means he had wealth and influence, like tons of Instagram followers. Had like a blue check in, at the real Saul of Tarsus. There's a horrible insider Bible joke for you. Um, he had it all before, an abundance of this world. And then he found Jesus and made it his goal to tell as many people about Jesus as he could. And that's when, on the exterior, on the outside looking in, life got bad for Paul. Like, he was shipwrecked, he was snake-bitten, he was hated, he was stoned, he was beaten. He was, like, that tells you that you can never look at your life circumstances to guess whether God is pleased or not. Like, that's a whole other thing. But Paul says, you know what, as I look at all this, I know that God provides for my enough, and truth be told, Jesus and friendship with him is my enough. So let me just leave you with that. With a, like, Number one, take a good hard look at your enough. What is your enough? And decide to live within that, and then use the extra to help other people get their enough. But most importantly... Look to Jesus as the ultimate enough because like, like there are rehab centers full of celebrities which tell you that it's not. A lot of the things that we turn to for enough, that ain't where it's at. It really is friendship with Jesus. And, and I guess I would encourage you if, you, if you don't know what that means, if you don't know how to get there, if you don't know how to start that, just come see me and, and, and we'll just set up a conversation to talk you through some of those first steps because God is, God is more than willing to show you his enoughness if you'll just turn to him. So uh, let's stand and I hope you'll spend some time. There's a lot packed into those scriptures. Hope you'll spend some time uh, just sitting in silence with God. 
um, listening to what you need to do next with all this. Let's pray. Father, this is a year of positivity no matter what because you're on your throne. And uh, I pray that you would show us like you did the Israelites what it means to walk with you and connect with you, uh, to find our enoughness in you. And, And we say together that you are all that we need. In Jesus' name, amen.